And having a season where we are preparing to receive our Lord, we're remembering when he came 2,000 years ago and asking ourselves, okay, am I, right now, am I making straight his path to my own heart? Hello and hey. well. <laughs> Come on, man. This is a professional outfit. This uh, is isn't it? some phone call. Is that what your clothes are? That's your professional outfit? <laughs> I'm wearing my big boy clothes. I, have big, I got big boy pants and a very comfortable sweater. It does look very comfortable. Um, hey. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back to Beyond the Bulletin, mm. the official podcast of St. Anthony of Padua. My name is Nate Hoffman. I am the development and communication coordinator here. You're so good at it, too. At St. Anthony of Padua. Today I'm joined by the white-bearded Chris Kringle himself, (laughs) Michael Gormley. That's rich. (laughs) You've got a good career ahead of you as a mall Santa if this whole theologian thing falls through. Yeah, and it is falling apart quickly. quickly so i'm excited that uh coming to a jc pennies near you golly uh, are there any jc pennies near us or i think are they, so uh, i think there's defunct. one at the mall really okay there's one at the mall. yeah i saw a, a, a mall santa the other day that looked exactly like santa you know there are conventions there no, are santa conventions that. yeah what do they call it santa con santa con santa convention I, I mean, they might they probably do SantaCon. Hundreds of Santas will begin their Saturday pub crawl at Father Duffy Square. Bars in Midtown, Midtown East, Chelsea, and the East Village all ready to serve throngs of very merry Santas. They, they probably You know, do. it's funny if you say that. I was just, um, the Joneses family, the lowly coordinator of liturgy, Brian Jones, uh, his family and my family, we went to Waco, Texas, and we made pilgrimage to Chip and Joanna Gaines's mecca out there called... Uh, Oh, what do they call it? Magnolia, Magnolia Marketplace at the Silos, something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Fixer yeah, Upper, yeah. Chip and JoJo. Yeah, another Colt in Waco, yet again. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, but this one has so much more shiplap than the last one. Right. It makes it okay, <laughs> but and everything's overpriced. So we went there and we did the stuff, but they had a big old Santa in front of the silos, and uh, and uh, it was uh, I I don't care for any of that stuff, like Santa Claus stuff. That that's not been a, a big part of our family. Mm-hmm. Like Santa Claus is kind of a, we we don't really perpetuate, but we don't deny or deal with you know the story. But he Santa Claus is walking by, and then he has a cool Santa. You know, as you can imagine, it's very like it's ornate and nice looking. Yeah, hip Santa. It's not sure. some cheap you know whatever. And he's walking by, and the, they're escorting him out uh, so he could go rest for an hour, give the old lap a rest. Who is he escorted by? Uh, just the various workers there in their chic clothing, like the, so. Have you not dressed up as elves? No, 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 okay. no, not elf, not elvish. So the whole place, it's like a like a multi-block section of downtown dilapidated Waco mm-hmm. that they just bought and turned into essentially an outdoor mall that feels like an upscale, upscale like town marketplace kind of thing yeah i've seen pictures it looks like um you know market street or something like yeah, that. yeah and it's astroturf everywhere mm-hmm. uh apparently chip wanted places for people to play especially kids so they have like a baseball field that you can play wiffle wiffle ball um they have a big old soccer field with just free to go play kick kick uh you know they have balls there that you can just 
go play and all this stuff. And uh, and right in front of it is Santa Claus. And he was walking by, and my kids were there. And my youngest, Thomas, was just staring up. And I go, hey, Santa Claus, how you doing? He goes, I'm doing very well. <laughs> and I was like, that's so good to see you. I'll see you in a couple hours, all right? And he's like, thank you, thank you. It sounds like Bishop Schultz or something. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, he prayed over me. And uh, he <laughs> confirmed me. It was very bizarre. I was like, well, St. Nick was a uh, bishop. Man, so actually, the conversation of what to I I just got married. I don't want to brag. I, oh, that's I, right. Yeah, I do remember don't hearing brag, something yeah. about uh, that. So, but we um, like six months ago, potentially will have kids in the future. Whoa! And the conversation of what do we tell these kids about Santa Claus? Well, maybe some of these kids are listening right now. Exactly. Uh-oh. Don't exactly. make that mistake that I did in the middle of a mass announcement. Oh one my time. gosh! So it's a it's interesting conversation. I've had it with a few friends, but that's not what we're going to talk about. No, today. No, no, no. We're going to talk, talk about, about the Advent, uh, the other side of Christmas, the the before Christmas, the yeah. Christmas Eve, 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 uh, and so on and so <laughs> forth. Mike, you you've already you've already dived into Advent because you've done a parish Deep mission. Yeah, so we did a, a parish mission last week. It's kind of a funny story I told on the last day that about uh, two months ago, Father Jesse said, hey, who's doing? do we have someone scheduled for a parish mission? And we said, no, we don't. Kind of a lot's happened, and so we haven't had one, but um, what were your thoughts? And he goes, oh, I'd like to have some sort of parish mission. And I said, well, you know what would be great is if you and Father David led it, since you're the new priest. If you just each take a day and just, you know, whatever you can do in the context of a mass, adoration, you know, some liturgical thing. And they said, yeah, that'd be great. But they also started talking about, well, what if I did Lent? And what if we did this? And so nothing really got resolved in that meeting. We were just kind of kicking around ideas. And then the next week, it got brought, or it's like two weeks later, it got brought up. And Father was just recapping. And Father Jesse goes, so Father David, you're going to do the Advent mission. I'll do the Lent mission. And Father David goes, I'm doing what? And so he's like, yeah, you'll do that. And it'll only be two days and blah, blah, blah. So we start mapping out. And I tell Father David, listen, I'll do the first day. And you can do the second day because I know you because ha- he was coming off of his family vacation and coming right up into it and he had the six o'clock mass i said let me do the first night and you do the second night he's like oh that sounds great december 5th and 6th and then i look at my calendar which is this coming sunday and monday i'm doing a parish mission at saint helens in Pearland for their church i'm like father david i can't do it that week what if we moved it a week earlier and he's like well i can't do that monday because i'm doing the penance service over at saint simon and jude and Sunday night, I can't do it because all of our local priests are here for our, our high school life team kids. So I said, well, what if I do the life team kids one? And then, oh, man, did I, am I doing both of them? And so now I, then I do both of them. So the idea was, oh, come all you faithful, trying to understand elements of the nativity story that we've heard a thousand times, you know, to try to incorporate a little bit more knowledge around um, these various elements of the Christmas night and tradition all that stuff i didn't attend i'm very sorry it's okay. i was it's still okay. in kansas at the time. <gasps> so i saw um i was hearing about it the the 1700 years of preparation yeah. uh, for for yeah, nativity so people, you went into the old testament yeah. and everything like that yeah so what people miss is like because we're christian and we're gentiles and we're 2000 years later we miss a lot of like that we might remember, you know, a prophecy, you know, a, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and, and things like that. But like to really understand that God was preparing his people for his son, we lose sight of that, that that Jesus is the full. And I, I really want people to listen to this. Jesus is the fulfillment and fullness of the revelation of Yahweh to Israel. Right, so God to His people, right? He's the Jesus, the final and definitive word spoken by the Father to His people. 
But because he took on human flesh, born of a woman, born under the law, as Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says, that his humanity means he's a member of Israel. So he is simultaneously the fullness of Yahweh's self-revelation to Israel, but he's also fully Israel's most perfect response to Yahweh's revelation, right? So he is, in, in being the mediator, right, this is what we need to understand when we talk about why Jesus is so unique is before he ever does anything, who he is grounds everything. He is God and man, true God and true man. The fullness of what it means to be both is united to his one divine person. So we can say the person of the divine word, the son of God, died. Because mm -hmm. united to the human nature, his body died, right? All that stuff. So when we think about the Christmas mystery, the thing that we need to really understand is salvation is begun at the first moment of Mary's conception of Jesus within her womb. Because salvation is my union with God forever. And that was already begun in the person of Jesus Christ, where united divinity and humanity. So when we talk about the joyful mystery of Christmas, it, yeah, it anticipates the cross, which culminates in Israel's faithfulness to Yahweh's covenant, even to the point of death. Yahweh's faithful to the covenant he made with Israel, right? Even to the point of taking their punishment onto himself. Right, all of these things mix and mingle in the one person that is Jesus Christ. I love it. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I think especially during Advent, it's a great time to reflect yeah. on that Old Testament idea. It does. It kind of feels like we are in a time of Old Testament. That's what this season is feeling like to me right now because uh, yeah. Christmas is coming, and that is the start of of the new. So right now, we're we're you can put yourself into you know the the life of the ancient the Jews and, and yeah. feel like there is something coming, like get into that mode of, uh, anticipating. So I've been reading the, the, um, missile every day, the, the, the word, yeah. the lectionary, the lectionary, there it is. Yeah. The collection of readings that are done, uh, for the masses, the yeah. mass readings. So, so for those who um, don't know that, that means lectionary, which just means it's a Latin based word, which means a reading. I decided my, you know, my wife and I, again, I'll just bring it up again. I'm married. Um, we were like, <laughs> let's read the, you know, let's start this uh, during Advent. Let's do it every day. And already nice. it's like four, four, four days in, five days in. And we're like, boy, I, this Isaiah's guys, he's getting a lot of play. You know, <laughs> he is, Isaiah is called by keep, biblical scholars, the new Testament of the old Testament. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting, and and we were like, well, why do you think? Why is it only? Why is it Isaiah? It's not that it's mm -hmm. only Isaiah. There, yeah. but there's going to be other prophets mm -hmm. that are going to be sprinkled in, but it's a ton of Isaiah. What yeah. is special about him that uh, makes him perfect for Advent? Yeah, when you look at Isaiah and his prophecies, um, scholars today, when they look at Isaiah, they actually break down the book of Isaiah into three different sections, going so far as to say they're three different authors, right? So you have. Um, I, you know, basically the first major chunk of Isaiah, which is mostly filled with pending doom type prophecies, which you get in a lot of the prophets, like you better change or God's going to punish you. But then when you get into Deutero, uh, Isaiah, the second kind of half, you begin to have a distinct turn in what Yahweh is doing with his people, that it's not just about the coming exile. It's, it focuses mostly on the return from exile, Right. And so you have um, that God's going to do something new in that return. And then you have the beautiful um, servant songs of Isaiah. There are mm -hmm. these four uh, major sections where it talks about Yah the servant of Yahweh. And the famous one that we read on Good Friday, 
right, is, uh, you know, ours was the sufferings he bore, our infirmities he carried, right, all that stuff about the suffering servant. And so th- these big suffering motifs, or excuse me, servant motifs are huge in the Advent readings. But also, Isaiah was writing to a people whose sins had brought them to the point of exile, right? So Babylon had come down, was about to obliterate the temple. The prophet Jeremiah kind of governs the people during this period of the, of the exile. But he's, he spends all this time warning, but he almost does what God does to Moses. Like Moses is, is talking to the burning bush. He's about to go back into Egypt where they want to arrest him for murder and all that horrible stuff. And he's going to face off against the world's lone superpower, right? And he said, what will you give me as a, sh- as a sign that I come from you? And he's like, the sign will be when I deliver you, you will come back and worship me on this mountain. And it's like, okay, that's a neat sign, but I want something like a fireball that I can take with me. You know, like he had no, no, uh, Moses had no idea what was going to come with the 10 plagues. But it's one of those signs that's a sign of profound hope. Like, are you willing to trust me and to go do the most insane thing, which is to go tell the world's superpower, God's going to put you down, right? Uh, tell him that God's going to cut you down, as Johnny Cash said. And so you have something similar with Isaiah that he's talking to a people who are about to go off into exile. And he's saying almost like, you know, what are we waiting for? What's the sign going to be? And he's like, well, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Now, that's in the earlier part of Isaiah, Isaiah 7, Isaiah 11 and stuff. But then the anticipation is, it's essentially the same thing. When you come back, you will worship me. And this servant, my servant, will lead you. I'm also uh, a few chapters into Pope Benedict's um, infancy narratives. Oh, so good. Which are awesome. You know, I'm only a few chapters in, but he, he does a great job of... Uh, getting across the interplay between you know what the prophets were writing about mm-hmm. and Jesus's fulfillment of what they were writing about, in yeah. a sense, how the, what they were writing about wouldn't have made sense without him. You know, yeah. it, was, it was about him, but they didn't know it was about him. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, and, and getting all that across to you, I, I recommend that that uh, Pope Benedict's book because it's a trippy thing to think about. Like, you know, did Isaiah know that Jesus was coming? Did did, uh, did Israel expect a child? Yeah. Uh, born in a, you know, born in a manger, all of these things. Like. Well, it was, it was funny because I was talking with a Jewish friend and I said, uh, how do you reconcile Isaiah 52 and 53, uh, where it talks about the suffering servant with clearly with Jesus as an anticipation of Jesus? And the standard um, rabbinical response is that's not Isaiah looking forward to Jesus. That's Isaiah looking backward to Moses. Right. So they don't say it's a prophecy of some future coming redeemer. They say that's what happened to Moses by the people as he led them out of the wilderness. Right. These wicked and stiff necked people and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it is interesting how how when you see the full revelation, the definitive word spoken by the father to his people, um, that you you really need to be aware of these prophecies in order to understand why all this stuff was so important. And what seems like to us, these minor details were so important in the first century. So here's a very uh, interesting one that I've been studying personally recently. Um, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. In the Hebrew, the word virgin can also mean young woman. Same in like the German. A lot of languages are like that. If you're young, a maiden is someone who's a virgin, but it could also just mean someone who's young. Um, but in the Greek, it, it's different. So when the Septuagint translated the, the Old Testament in Greek, is known as the Septuagint, the work of the 70, when they translated it, um, they translate it as virgin because what's the point of a young woman conceiving and bearing a son? Yeah, most, a most women who conceive and bury are young women. Like what's the miraculous about that? So in the Hebrew, now all the Hebrew Bibles will just say young woman. It won't say 
virgin, right? So in, in defense of Judaism against Christianity, the young upstart. But when you begin to look at wh- why virginity, um, a lot of people like Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code said there, there was no such thing as virginity as a lifestyle you know, uh, in ancient Judaism. This is all made up. The virgin birth, that's all made up. People weren't virgins back then in, in terms of um, it was seen as a curse to be barren, to not be married, you know, all that stuff, or, or just a horrible misfortune. And so if someone was married, they're, they're, the goal is to have as many kids as humanly possible. And what we, don't, what we didn't know at the time, in 1948, we discovered the largest supply of ancient texts from the first century and a little bit before and a little bit after known as the Dead Sea Scrolls. And we found out this whole Essene community was almost entirely virginal. People who were married, separated, and joined different, essentially, monasteries. And they lived an entirely uh, chaste life, which is why it wasn't bizarre that John the Baptist didn't have a wife or that Jesus didn't have a wife. Many people actually didn't, which is why at the Last Supper narrative, Jesus says, you will find a man um, carrying a jug of water. Ask him and he'll take you to the upper room, right, the cynical. And, you know, that might be some weird little detail, but men didn't do those chores. Those were seen as women's chores. So why is a man doing this chore? Well, the quarter of the city that they were in was an Essene quarter, and many of their men were celibate. So this man is doing the woman's job because there are no wives to do it. Now, it sounds really sexist to us today, but that's definitively, I mean, they had well-defined gender roles and boundaries and all that stuff for husband and wife. But what if you are married? So here we have Mary within a culture in this first century. The reason why they were virginal is they believed in so much purity that we want to be pure for the coming of the Messiah because they, they believed the Messiah was around the corner. Now, they believed that if they were just good enough and obedient enough, then the Messiah would come being so impressed by their faith. But they, they didn't heed the scriptures well enough that he came as a sin offering. Right, that idea is snuck over into Christianity, right? It's oh yeah, of, what is that? Pelagianism or something? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Pelagianism the the idea that um, Adam's sin isn't transmitted to me except by a bad moral example, and all I got to do is follow a good Just moral be good example. Good enough, and you Just can be good save enough. yourself. Right? Works based righteousness condemned as a heresy. Right. Yeah. Well, fascinating, Mike. I, I think we should get into a little bit of how we can prepare these next three, three and a half weeks for Christmas. I've, I've mentioned something that I would recommend, which is reading from the lectionary every yeah. day. The church has uh, given us a scripture to read from that they are going to be anticipating for the next four weeks, uh, the Christmas, the coming of Jesus. Yeah. So that's a great way to start. Read, read the gospel, read the first reading every single day. I skip the psalm sometimes. I mean... <laughs> How dare you? What's, How dare you? What is this? There's no story. <laughs> tell me a story, <laughs> Dad. Me a story. <laughs> How about you just pray to me? <laughs> nah, tell me a story. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think it's great. I think um, seasons like Lent, where Lent's such a bummer, right? It's always like dry desert, welcome to punishment, right? But um, I, I love the fact that there are seasons in the church, and the joyful ones always are longer than the sad yeah. ones, um, than the penitential ones. When we think about the seasons, we, we should really treat them that way, that ordinary time is like the default, and the default is green, which means resurrection, radical newness of life. Um, that's the default. But then when we come to these seasons, because most of us can't 
keep up the same thing for very long. You know, if we want to take on a special penance or a strenuous activity or a mortification or self-denial, oftentimes, you know, I, I have a friend who used to go to this church. She would say, I can do anything for three weeks, right? And it's true. Like, you can do a lot and deal with it for three weeks. That fourth week gets a little hard. Um, and so what, what the church in her wisdom does is by having these seasons where we radically focus on one thing, right? Lent is the preparation for Good Friday, the Triduum, right? And it's culminating in Easter Sunday. So it's this deep dive into penance and mortification. And then we look at the, the second greatest feast in the church, which is Christmas. After Easter, it's Christmas. And we start to look at what the church is asking of us. And it's the phrase of John the Baptist has always been kind of the theme. Prepare the way of the Lord and make straight his path, right? So we look at the three comings of Jesus. He came 2,000 years ago. He's going to come again at the end of time, which we got in that gospel reading from last Sunday, which is, you know, it's all end times type stuff. And then Christ comes to us right now, right now, right here. I always marvel at the fact that how much overlap there is between Christ coming 2,000 years ago and Christ coming to me today. Because the more I learn and study him, like doing the lectionary readings and things like that, the more I learn about him is another reason to love my Lord. And a lot of Catholics, I believe, have let their, they've forgotten their first love, as Jesus says in the book of Revelation. They've forgotten their first love. And we might have a lot of knowledge and we might have a lot of skill, but the danger is we forget to love Jesus, that we might learn a lot about him, but that's not the same thing as being in communion with him. And Advent is a time to say, in a very big way, one, am I centering my life around the joy of the gospel? You know, Pope Francis wrote Evangelii Gaudium, the joy of the gospel. The best way to evangelize is not by being uh, a bunch of sourpusses, right? The best way is with a joyful smile, right? Um, in, in fact, St. Benedict and the rule of St. Benedict, which goes back to like 529 or something, he said uh, the monk should, should never laugh because that shows he doesn't have self-control, which I would disagree with. But also I would agree with in another way. <laughs> but he said, uh, but he should always be smiling because he has such a great gift of salvation in Christ that it should radiate through him, right? And uh, I think it was Teresa of Avila who said, God save us from sour-faced saints. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true. There is this joy that is uniquely Christmases. The Christmas joy, you know, the tiny tots all aglow and all, all the things, even the secularization of it, it's still centered on joy. And having a season where we are preparing to receive our Lord, we're remembering when he came 2,000 years ago and asking ourselves, okay, am I, right now, am I making straight his path to my own heart? Yeah, that's, I think the, you mentioned the secularization of, of Christmas. It's, it's definitely out there. Yeah. But, you um, mean Xmas? Yeah, Xmas. There you go. <laughs> Keep Christ in it, baby. The, um, Keep you, Mass in Christmas. If you go, Boom. If you go <laughs> to Market Street, if you even go to any, uh, any grocery store in in the woodlands right now it's there's trees up there's decorations there's joy everywhere mm -hmm. so uh, it, they might not be there for a cri christian reason uh, yeah. originally they that's how it's all you know started but you can still use that to uh, spark joy in your own life um, i think mike you mentioned two things there one study study up learn up i think mm -hmm. that kind of to me that says like you know read read the read the lectionary maybe mm -hmm. read the infancy narratives uh by you know matthew and luke those are the best mm -hmm. yeah uh, well, I mean, those are the only two infancy narratives <laughs> they're the best because they're the only ones we got mark skips it and luke skips it as well or luke, excuse john. me john john skips it John's, john gives you his divine yeah it's uh, like primordial yeah um, <laughs> 
So study up, learn up, you know, get your, uh, this is a great chance. If you haven't learned about Jesus in a long time, dive back in and and, and learn something uh, from the scripture and then from the saints. Uh, I think that this is a great time for it. But then you also mentioned uh, keeping love in your heart. So, so joy, joy. Um, So Advent is a uh, anticipatory season. Mm -hmm. It's also sort of a penitential season. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's a, there's a, tradition of that uh for advent that's why I, they wear purple i don't see it quite as intense as lent no I, I think but i think i do think it's still an appropriate time to uh for some fasting some yeah. some penitential stuff so um what are some examples of something that's not quite like you know exodus 90 lenten <laughs> but something well we they do be- have an exodus 94 advent, i know and I, it's I, so much easier <laughs> i know there's no uh, you can do warm showers i think um, blasphemous yeah. So, yeah. what what are some things? I, I'm I'm in a group with some buddies right now, and we're, we've cut out things like you know apps on our phone. Yeah. Um, well, I would say number one, anything that makes you more present to other people and receptive to other human beings in the meat space. And I understand a lot of people are still nervous about COVID, but um, I, I would tell you that you the fear over COVID and Omicron and Delta and all these things. Um, as they drive you away from people, you're going to notice that you, you, can't con- you can't remain in isolation and thrive. And I say this not as a criticism, but saying then we need to find smart ways if you're very nervous about being around people. Maybe you have a detrimental health issue or whatever. But we got to find ways to be with other people. And I mean in person as much as humanly possible. As much as humanly possible. Our brains and our bodies know chemically when we are with other people in reality like and they react um you know you have a rush of endorphins you have all of this stuff that culminates in um trying to cement the bonds between people that does not happen when you look at a screen and i'm a nerd i love technology i'm an apple fanboy i have all the stuff but i can tell you that our screens are poisoning us because it's so easy a substitute for people right so i say this find ways i think the most important thing is to be receptive this um advent season with other people so we have um the great uh, spanish-speaking tradition of posadas which is the um reenactment with a spiritual devotional context of the holy family looking for the a place to stay you know and get rejected by the inn um i think it's on december 18th maybe um, and it's open to everyone. You don't just have to be a Spanish speaker. You can follow along. It's a beautiful tradition. And then they also have the Novena, the Novenas, which is the nine days leading up to, I believe, Christmas Eve. I think the last day you pray is on Christmas Eve. These are beautiful traditions that have been a part of our church to help us be more receptive to what's happening in spiritually in our lives. Being with people joyfully (laughs) being with people joyfully is one of the greatest remedies for depression and anxiety and i can't help but say our church our community uh our society is just filled with depressed and anxious people we need each other so that's another thing like find ways to be more receptive of other people um that might sound weird but i think of mary receiving the archangel gabriel right like the receptivity of or the the characteristic quality of mary is humble receptivity right? It troubled her. Here's an angel in front of her and her greeting troubled her because he greeted her like a queen, hail, um, gave her a title full of grace. That's unique. Um, but then, uh, you know, she was receptive. Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done unto me according to thy word. And that's the attitude that we need to have, like this receptivity. So then the other thing I would say to do in terms of preparation is uh, try to figure out a way to slow things down. 
how do we slow things down? I, I this is literally this might sound stupid to you. I listen to my audiobooks on double speed. Mm, that's crazy. And I've consented for the time being to n- keep it at one and a half. And to me, it sounds everyone sounds like they're drunk. Hey, everybody, let me do. And I'm like, oh gosh. But I'm I got I I find that I'm doing multiple things all at once, trying to listen to a book while I'm doing dishes and helping my kid with his homework and blah blah blah. Doesn't work. Slow down. Be with people. Father Jesse actually mentioned this concept in our uh, Stafford Truth. Oh, that's right. A yeah, weeks ago, in the terms of walking, actually, he he said uh, it's a penance for him to to walk slow because there's mm-hmm. so much to do. But he takes his time, um, and it's and he encouraged us to take our time when we walk between our office and the copy room, and and take your time to think or to to pray on your way there. Yeah, I think it also applies uh, in the car. Don't. Uh, be quick to connect your Bluetooth to the car so you can play your podcast or your music. I mean, maybe receive whatever on the radio for the yeah. next uh, couple of weeks instead of choosing what's uh, what you're going to listen to. Be be receptive to silence. We don't have enough silence in our life. A lot of people they ask like, why can't I pray? And the answer is not you don't have the ability. The answer is, I mean, everyone can pray, but you haven't cultivated silence. How are you going to hear the voice of God if you've spent 23 and a half hours or 23 hours and, you know, 50 minutes, because we only give 10 minutes to prayer, with noise, with music, with, you know, whatever, even Christmas songs. I love, I have a, I'm a fanatic about the holidays, right? I decorate in preparation for Christmas, but not a single light bulb is turned on until Friday after Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, but I you'll mean, decorate. You'll listen to Christmas music during Advent, right? Uh, during Advent. Yeah. I'm not that I'm not that much of a Looney Tunes person sure. because it prepares me for Christmas. I agree. You know, it's and it's part of the joy of the season. I yeah. think it's it helps anticipatory joy. I, I think there's a. Yeah. Yeah. But um, lights, I have a guy that puts them up on my life because I have steep roof. And I uh, almost fell the last time I tried to do it. Oh, it would have been awesome. It would have been awesome. I'm going to – I don't have lights, and I, I've been looking forward to putting them up for uh, for a long time mm-hmm. on the new house. I, I have a new house with my wife, so um, – Oh, that's right. You're married. I'm married. Did that just to happen? A cool, yeah, woman. Yep, just recently. So – She's alive. She's a living woman. Yeah. yeah. So we're decorating this weekend, and I can't wait. We just put the tree up yesterday. I came in from. I, I was only planning on working a half day, so I didn't come in till noon. And then my daughter had anchor, so I ended up staying instead of leaving at four and then bringing her back and all this stuff. I ended up staying till seven o'clock yesterday. So I was like, well, my half day became a whole day. But um, I went and I got home and I was so tired and I had to do another podcast at eight thirty and it was an interview, so I had to be on my A game. I fell asleep on the couch as soon as I got home, and my kids woke me up and said, "Daddy, it's your turn." And they held out the star, oh. so I put the star oh. on top of the tree, and then we did our Advent family prayers. Uh, and my youngest son, Thomas, got about, I'd say about 80% of the way through the Ave Maria in Latin, the Hail Mary in Latin, because uh, I'm trying to teach them that. They take Latin, blah, blah, blah. But uh, he got about 80% of the way through. Awesome. It was it was awesome. It was awesome. Very good. So an- anticipate Christmas. This is a yeah. time to dive in. Uh, we've got a lot of, get a little of this. We've got a lot of ways to go beyond the, just the bulletin here uh, at St. Anthony's in ways of uh, preparing for Christmas. One of those mm. things, our Advent donation drive, you oh. participated in the past. 
Advent donation drive. No, I don't think I've ever even heard of it. <laughs> well, we've got one running right now. I mean, giving away of what you have is a great way to dive into uh, the season. It is during Lent. It is during Advent as well. So uh, it's through Catholic Charities, but you can bring check it out on ap.church/events. You'll see Advent donation drive there. Um, Wait, is this like where you donate gifts? Yeah. Okay, so yes, I have done that before. <laughs> I think we've done this every year like for a, twenty like years. Like a secret capital campaign. No, no, nah. no. So you, you, there's a list online. You, you go check yes. it out. See what people need, and they'll go directly to you know other people's homes, the nice. homes of people in need. So it is, it is really incredible when you see all the stuff that people bring in, all the presents, all the things. I mean, it's just amazing. It really is. Yeah, and a huge need. Uh, we just saw the need a, a couple of weeks ago. Our Thanksgiving project mm-hmm. uh, wrapped up, and we you know, served almost 1,700 families. <laughs> Um, so a the ham, a turkey, real. and uh, all the fixings, and and so don't let the it. beauty and wealth of the woodlands fool you. The need is still very real. I remember every time we do, we have high school students that help out, and they always say the same thing. Like, I'm just shocked. I didn't, I didn't know such poverty existed in the woodlands. And it's like, yeah. And the crazy thing is, and and, and I literally heard a teenager say this, even though I've said it so many times. It's weird to see luxury SUVs roll up and get a meal, and it's not because they're being cheap. It's because they lost their job. They're upside down. They have a car that they have to still make payments on, but they no longer have an income. And they can't even pay for their, uh, you know, their their meal for their family on Thanksgiving. And they're driving a luxury SUV. Yeah. So yeah, there's all so types painful. of yeah poverty. And you know, even even thinking about of doing that yourself, like it would take a ton of humility to yeah. do that to yeah. drive up in a uh, yeah they're nice almost car. always in tears yeah well praise god for all the work that was done all the volunteers and all the donations given to the thanksgiving project um yeah and, and we can do the same thing again with this advent donation drive the advent um, donation yeah. drive where can i find out more information about ap.church slash events and the donation day is uh, december the 12th so bring your gifts to the saint Teresa center on december the 12th december the 12th is that the feast of our oh, Lady yeah. of Guadalupe. Yeah, Our Lady of Guadalupe. That, again, another way, it's not technically part of the Advent season. In fact, not even celebrated in the church uh, this year yeah, in, that's in a hard. liturgy. That's hard. Whenever whenever the Our Lady of Guadalupe feast day, December 12th, falls on a Sunday, it is always trumped by Advent. Yeah. So the readings, though, uh, the readings have to be the Advent readings, but the opening prayers, the church has said, um, may, uh, at the discretion of the, the local ordinary and the pastor, may use the opening prayers for, for the Feast of Guadalupe. So we'll be able to honor Our Lady. We'll have some events here on campus, which you can find out uh, at our events page. But uh, we're going to do a lot of stuff, matachinas and all that good stuff, to celebrate Our Lady Guadalupe and um, and the second Sunday of Advent, or third Sunday of Advent. Yeah, so the party starts on the night before December the 11th. Mañanitas? Yeah. Mañanitas in the church, uh, followed with a gathering, uh, hot chocolate and whatnot. So I invite everyone. It's going to be really fun. There's going to be yeah. uh, some cool. And and the people who help put this on always tell me one thing. Michael, invite English-speaking people. I'll be this there. is not just for Spanish-speaking people. Everyone should feel like Our Lady is the Queen of the Americas. Yeah. Our Lady Guadalupe is not the mother of Mexico. She's the Queen of the Americas, right? So That starts on Saturday night, and then it continues after the 1 p.m. Mass on Sunday. There's going to be a rosary in the church, and then another reception there in Sheltz. So, very nice. cool. 
Um, yeah, and then we've got all kinds of other things going on in Advent. First Saturdays, we had a great conversation with Katrina. Yeah, man, that thing's blowing up. That was awesome. Week. Yeah, it was really fun. It was fascinating to get to know Katrina in, in, in the First Saturday's devotion. So if you haven't listened to that podcast, check it out. What else? What else? I mean, Well, December 8th, we have uh, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. That's right. Okay, and that is not the day Jesus was conceived. It'd be weird to be born on December 25th if you were conceived on the 8th. Uh, so that is where we celebrate Mary's Immaculate Conception, that from an act of divine grace, Jesus Christ, her son, would save her before she even conceived him uh, by preserving her from the stain of original sin, right? So the Immaculate Conception means that Mary was conceived without sin. So when we look at it from this perspective, we have December 8th, which is a Marian feast day, December 12th, which is a Marian feast day. You have Christmas, right, which is obviously very Marian. January 1st, December 31st for the vigil. We have so much that honors Our Lady, that honors the Holy Family. It's awesome. It's almost like God had a conspiracy of grace to emphasize the, the beauty and primacy of the family in society. Like, we need to do this. We need to double down. We need to double down on the family in our country. So uh, let me think, what else do we have going on? I mean, those are the big things that we have. Uh, a lot of our faith formation programs will wrap up the second week of December, and a lot of our core members are going to take them out to Deacon Baldy's and all that good stuff. But, uh, yeah. 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 We got yeah, confession. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Confession. <laughs> Uh, plenty of confession times, too. It's a great time to go to confession uh, right before Christmas, so check out those. Uh, Let me ask you a quick question. What's your favorite Christmas tradition growing up? It can be secular. It can be food. I loved, I, I uh, and this was only a few years, so maybe six years of this that we did, that I was like, psyched about this, but waking up, it was at 6 a.m., that's when you could wake up mom and dad and mm -hmm. go check out the, the presents, and so I guess from the time I was able to conceive of that until i was like too you know 21. wanted to sleep in yeah until I was 21. that was awesome i loved doing that yeah i loved running downstairs my mom had a camcorder she we couldn't it was like we woke him up at six and then it took like until seven for her to figure out how the camcorder works <laughs> until we could go do and be excited on camera and stuff <laughs> and whenever you watch the videos you could hear the whine of the tape going mm -hmm. around mm -hmm. and the microphone right next to it. yeah for me when i was a little kid it was going to midnight mass we didn't always go to midnight mass, but when I went to midnight mass, I felt like with the bee's knees, the cat's pajamas, man. You walk in and you're like, I'm up till midnight. I'm up till past midnight. Let's do those carols and lessons. Go. Right. And I always loved that growing up, especially since in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, we had a, a small church and we knew everyone. And my mom was the DRE and all that stuff. Um, but now, you know, making these new memories with my wife and my kids, um, you know, we're pretty, my wife is pretty fanatical about the Advent wreath, which we've always had, but we never like lit. So every dinner, we, I sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and all the kids join me. And then we light the candles and every meal, every dinner, excuse me, we celebrate that, you know, whatever week it Throughout is. Throughout the week, not even, yeah. on, not just on Sundays. Cool. Yeah. And we, I have a set of prayers that I wrote about five, six years ago for our parish that I pray and they're very short prayers. And, you know, you remember the poor, the outcast, the forgotten, and all this stuff. And my kids remember that phrase, the poor, the outcast, and the forgotten. And they pray for these this category of people throughout the year. But um, we started doing that. And St. Nick's Day, do you ever celebrate that? Yeah, we used to do that, too. They yeah. would do the gold yeah. coin chocolate in your shoes kind yeah, of mostly, thing? Yeah, no, mostly chocolate, less coins. But, uh, yeah. but you know what I mean, those gold coin chocolates? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what the Joneses do. 
lowly coordinator of liturgy, Brian Jones. That's I remember getting a, a DVD of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban <laughs> in my shoe one year. Wow, that's really preparing you for Christmas. <laughs> oh, it's Antichrist, maybe. The no. TNT used to always have, <laughs> TBS always had Christmas marathons of Harry Potter. Because every single Harry Potter, there was at least one scene with oh, yeah. snow. And that's what they showed on the commercial. But it's yeah. like, these aren't Christmas movies. It just happens to be a full year of the of life school. of Harry Potter. So, that, yeah, there's some <laughs> winter. That's funny. Yeah, no, we we have a tradition um, with St. Nick's. My wife buys obnoxious uh, pajamas that all match. And originally it was just for the kids. And then one year she bought it for herself. And then last year I said, just go ahead and do it. And so she bought them for me, too. So it was green and white striped pajama tops and bottoms. Yeah, so that was last year. I can't remember what this year's is. They're probably just as obnoxious. Um, so we'll have that. And, and then we give one present. We're going to give uh, on top of the pajamas. We're going to give one present to each of the kids. Okay, beautiful. Well, Mike, thanks for uh, sharing some wisdom with us today. Some wisdom and some wacky words the Wisdom of and other stuff. Um, yeah, that's true. And, and, and whatnot. So, folks, have a, have a very good Advent. Dive into the season. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight his path. Oh, man, what a boring ending. You kind of trailed off that make straight his path. You got to yell it. I don't really have you a yell voice. You got to yell it. Yeah, you do. Make straight his path, baby. <laughs> that's to say, John Baptist, I know. God bless you all. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, 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 ho.